Podcast. I'm your host, Corbin Ford. You can follow me on Twitter at CorbinNBA. We are part of the Basketball Podcast Network. Definitely make sure to check them out. The Basketball Podcast Network provides listeners podcasts to get the latest on all of your favorite teams and what is happening around the NBA. So definitely make sure to get on board there. Podcasts for every team, NCAA content, and also original content is available there. You can find them online at thebasketballpodcastnetwork.com, on Twitter at HoopsPodNet. Definitely make sure to get on board there. Listen, y'all, I'm happy to be on this show. It has been a minute since my teaser trailer preview and also the show. And I have to apologize for that. I had a bout of COVID that knocked me in for a loop, y'all. Uh, it was it was a lot. That's all I can really say. It was a lot. Uh, and then right after that, get started on your feet. And then, you know, the regular flu bug comes around as if lightning couldn't strike once. Uh, you know, sickness struck twice on me. So that was another thing that happened. Uh, and then, you know, obviously, long winter, family stuff. So it's been a, a crazy couple of weeks. And I guess you could say the same thing for the Spurs. You know, just like the Spurs, I've been down bad. <laughs> but we keep going. The schedule moves on. There's games to be played. Life still rolls on. And that is why you're getting your first episode a little later than expected. But nonetheless, we move, right? So here we are. Um... Honestly, just a brief recap of where the Spurs are as we get started. We're going to be a lot more regular moving forward, so we're not going to have to do too much of a recap on San Antonio because we're going to be up to date with this moving forward. But looking at where they have been so far, as it currently stands, the Spurs are 6-12. and 12. Uh, They had won six in their first eight, which, you do the math, shows you where they are now. Um, they are now... 25th in offensive rating at 109.4. They are dead last in defensive rating at 118.3. And they are 29th in net rating at negative 8.9. Right now, they're coming off of a brutal Los Angeles trip where they were just shellacked in back-to-back games. First, losing to the Los Angeles Clippers, 119-97. And then losing to the Los Angeles Lakers, 123 to 92. We're going to dive a little more into the Lakers matchup, what went wrong for the Spurs in this game, and then kind of move forward. And in the future, what I plan on doing is is taking this team in total context. What are the bright spots? You know, what are we getting good minutes from some of our young guys? The development from some players, how they are improving. Whether, you know, we get guys like Malachi Branham and Dominic Barlow some run. For the record, that did not happen in their game against the Lakers. But just kind of what we see from this young Spurs team, which has a lot of intriguing prospects on them. They're not obviously contending for a playoff spot far from an NBA championship spot. We're not even going there. But I think for a team that is rebuilding like the Spurs are, there are always some takeaways to get from a growing team. Some measures of progress that we can look at and say, okay, wow, this player took a step forward in the right direction. This team has given a positive trend over the last... 5, 10, 15 plus games that we can look at and go, wow, they have improved end over end in this specific category. And that is some of the joy of watching a rebuilding team and something I'm excited to do with this San Antonio Spurs team. Now, the losses, not super great, obviously. Uh, Losing by 31 to the Los Angeles Lakers, a team that is not too far from them in the win-loss column. In fact, the Spurs are actually better than them right now. Not super great, but there's still a lot to kind of take from that 
good, bad, ugly, all of it. And we're going to do that here on the first official episode of the Alamo Airways podcast. So without further ado, let's get to it, shall we? So heading into Sunday's matchup against the Los Angeles Lakers, the Spurs had lost nine of their past ten and had fallen to a season-worst five games under five hundred. Uh, Saturday's game against the Lakers was rough. Um, they never led in that one, and that followed setbacks on the road against the Warriors, in Portland against the Blazers, and in Sacramento against the Kings. And to make matters worse, those four games were not close. All four defeats had been by an average of 21 points per game. So additional salt in the wound. And we knew going in for this Spurs team that there was going to be some tough losses. But coming off of an encouraging start, uh, seeing some good play from players like Keldon Johnson and Devin Vassell, you were hoping that it wouldn't be as bad as this road trip has been. And it was disastrous. But, you know, there was hope that you could rebound against a Lakers team that is starting to find their footing. Uh, still without LeBron James, AD has been playing just so much better. But, you know, heading into this game, we're 4-10. We're, we're so, didn't look super great there. And it, it did not work the way the Lakers hoped that it would. Anthony Davis dominated the game from start to finish. He left toward the back half of the third quarter with the game comfortably in the Lakers' hands. He finished with 30 points, 18 boards on 12 of 19 shooting, and just dominated the Spurs' front line of Gorgie Jang and Jeremy Sohan. And honestly, it wasn't even that close. He was just more dominant in the paint, using his physicality to its fullest effect. Uh, We know that Anthony Davis, when he plays that way, it's very hard to stop him. His jump shot around the basket was working well. His touch around the basket was there. And he was just too big for their front line to handle. And and it just was one of those things. And the Lakers fed off of that inside-outside play for sure. Um, Austin Reeves had 21 points. Lonnie Walker had 14. You have four players off the bench in double figures, led by Thomas Bryant, who continued that uh, trend of Lakers physicality and dominance around the basket area. Uh, some thunderous stands by him, 15 points there. Uh, and Bryant was a beneficiary of Russell Westbrook, who coming off the bench has been great. He had a double-double, constantly put pressure at the rim and fed to the big guys there. And the Spurs competed on that end, but it was too many breakdowns there, especially in transition. And it just kind of bled from there. Um, offensively, the Spurs really couldn't find any traction. And again, this is coming off a Lakers squad that offensively was pretty rough. The Lakers shot 52% from the field and 35% from three. I'm mentioning these numbers because the Lakers this season from three have been awful. And so what this game kind of shaped up to very quickly was a team that shot below its average versus a team that shot well above its average uh, in a major way. And it kind of permeated the, the, the rest of the way. I think for the Spurs... The defense was the most disappointing part of this because time and time again, there was defensive breakdowns on cuts. There was uh, no resistance at the rim for Russell Westbrook to get to the basket and dump off, for Anthony Davis to get there and finish. Uh, When Dennis Schroeder came in the game, he had solid minutes just turning on turbo and getting to the rim as well. Uh, The defensive resistance from guys like Trey Jones and Devin Vassell was less than stellar, in my opinion, watching the game, Uh, and it didn't get better off the bench with perimeter players like Josh Richardson and Doug McDermott either. And so if you're not going to, you know, stop a team that is getting easy baskets from making those baskets and they're knocking down to three as well, 
I mean, it's almost academic at that point, you know? Uh, but I think the big, just as big of an issue, not the biggest issue, I think the defensive issue was the biggest issue for the San Antonio Spurs offensively. It was a very rough game for many of them. Uh, Keldon Johnson, the leading scorer for the Spurs this season so far. Love the way he's played so far uh, for the season, 21 points per game, just under five rebounds a game, just over three assists, shooting 41% from three on a robust eight attempts a night. He just couldn't find the basket. He was one of 16 by the midway point of the third quarter. He would finish the game four of 20 from the field. That is not a typo. Four of 20 from the field and 10% from three. And ladies and gentlemen, it wasn't for a lack of trying. The gentleman attempted 10 threes and only knocked down one. He could not find a rhythm and he kept trying to shoot himself into one. And honestly, you have games like that and that is true, but at a certain point, you have to look and go, okay, I'm not really, you know, making this happen. How can I affect the game in other ways? And unfortunately, Johnson was not able to do that against the Lakers on Sunday. Forgive my congestion here, um, trying to clear that up. I am still battling <laughs> myself uh, some congestion. Uh, but we know what the show must go on. Okay, but going back to Kelton Johnson, you know, you look at him and you're like, okay, how can he impact the game in other ways? And unfortunately, he wasn't able to do that in this game. He only had one assist. So he definitely wasn't getting the ball spread around like that. He only had three rebounds. So he wasn't a factor on the glass either. And so when all you're doing is checking up shots and not making many, then you're basically a negative on the floor. And Taylor Johnson was the biggest negative in the game. He was a minus 28 a whopping minus 28, easily the worst on the team, uh, in which every player who touched the floor ended up in the negative. So that shows you just how bad the Spurs were. But Kelvin Johnson was actively destructive to the team. He finished with just 12 points. Now, the star, the star spur of the game, if you were to find one, I'm not going to nominate anyone. This game was so bad, and every player who had a positive also had a negative. So for the spur low light of the game, it definitely goes to Keldon Johnson. That's just not going to cut it. In a neat 31 minutes of action, 20% from the field, 10% from three, three rebounds and one assist. No, I'm sorry. That's not going to do it. I'm not going to nominate a star spur of the game because when you lose by that much and you play that badly, I don't think you deserve to, you know, say, Hey, this spur was a star. Is that even a word in a game like that? No, but I will say that Devin Vassell had a okay game. 17 points for him, 4 rebounds, 4 assists, 50% from the field, 3 of 4 from 3. If anything, I wish he was more assertive. He could have taken at least 5 or 6 of Johnson's shots away and knocked them down to higher percentage. He was feeling it a lot better. He had a little bit more of a rhythm. His 3-ball was going in. I thought he was doing a decent job initiating offense for the squad. Um, He was tied for 2nd in assist for the Spurs, along with Trey Jones. So I thought that Vassell did a decent enough job of getting others involved in as much as the way he could with the team shooting as bad as they did. I just wish he was a little more aggressive on the offensive end and made a little more of an impact on the defensive side of the ball. But still, he was someone that was solid, finishing with a team-high 17 points. Jeremy Sohan, uh, again, uh, got dominated by Anthony Davis. Uh, He wasn't his main assignment, poor 
Gorgie Jang was, and that didn't work out very well for Jang, who had seven points and seven boards, uh, and was among the best in terms of a minus 10, easily the best of the starters, uh, but he also had five fouls. He could not stop AD, and neither could Sohan, uh, who didn't have him primarily, but also had problems when he did. 12 points for Sohan, six rebounds. He played okay. His three ball was 0 for 3, and they weren't even close, really, when he shot them, uh, and you could tell when you saw players like uh, Russell Westbrook, like AD, whoever was Sohan's assignment, lay, played off of him and encouraged him to hoist up a jumper that they knew wouldn't fall, and they were correct. It did not. Uh, 0-3 from 3, neither of them particularly close. 6-14 from the field in general. The jump shots just were not a factor for Sohan. And that's something that you really want to see him improve upon. He was able to finish around the basket. That was good there. But not being a factor on uh, the boards as much as you would like is going to be an issue. And also, if you're not going to be able to consistently knock down a jumper and have teams play off of you, uh, the Spurs kind of need that floor spacing. Because outside of Devin Vassell or a decent game from Kelton Johnson, you're not going to get that. Gorgie Jang can stretch out to about mid-range consistently. He's learned to shoot the three in recent years, but definitely not enough that you can call it a consistent weapon for him. In my opinion, he was one of three from three in Sunday's game. Uh, Trey Jones does not stretch the four like that, and Jeremy Sohan is right up there with him. So you need, you know a little bit more of an open floor where you can get it from certain players. And right now, your only semi-consistent shooters are Vassell and Johnson. Vassell shooting 42% from three. That would lead the Spurs this season uh, in, in attempts that are over five a game. Next would be Doug McDermott. That's kind of what he comes off the bench to do. And then, of course, Keldon Johnson. Uh, Trey Jones actually is shooting the three pretty well statistically, 38% from three, but it's on just over two attempts per game. That's not enough to really, you know, prevent the defense from collapsing uh, and knowing that, you know, hey, he'll take his one to two, but he's not a consistent enough shot maker to really be a a threat out there. And the bench production for the Spurs really didn't happen. Uh, Charles Bassey played well, uh, four or five from the field, eight rebounds, and team leading five assists. One steal as well. Most of that it felt like was glorified garbage time, but still good to see him make good reads, you know, uh, lead the team in rebounding off of the bench and finish efficiently around the basket. Uh, Josh Richardson also did okay. Um, 10 points, two assists. Wasn't very good on the defensive side of the ball, in my opinion, uh, and didn't shoot the ball super well outside of three, where he was two of three from the great beyond. But I, I can't say I hated uh, Josh Richardson's performance. I just felt like it was just, he was just kind of there. Same with Doug McDermott, who went just under 20 minutes for the night, eight points, two rebounds, two assists, uh, didn't make a three. I just felt like certain players were just kind of, I don't want to say sleepwalking, but just were not a factor. And the ones who were, were like Keldon Johnson, a factor in the opposite direction for San Antonio. So as far as positive takeaways, I think there was moments where the Spurs continued to fight. I think you know, their young guys came out. Again, I love the way Charles Bassey played. Isaiah Roby got some time. I'm surprised that players like Dominic Barlow and Malachi Branham didn't get a lot of run. Only five minutes and 39 seconds apiece for players who, let's face it, this game was never close after the first quarter. It just wasn't. You definitely hope that those young guys will get a little bit more run, especially in a game where everybody saw time that was available for San Antonio. So, uh, Kind of wrapping up this game, like I said, there wasn't really a lot of positives to take away. The good? Nothing. <laughs> there just wasn't anything really good to take away. If you want to be a, a, a eternal optimist, 
Charles Bassey had some good minutes. And I definitely like the way Devin Vassell was able to impact the game, you know, not just scoring, but getting some rebounds, getting some assists as well, doing a little more playmaking on ball. That's been a trend we've seen this season. Definitely want to see more of that from him. So if we want to say those are good for their game Sunday against the Lakers, we can do that. Bad, the general performance across the board. Spurs have the team. 39% from the field. From three, 20%. From the free throw line. Mind you, they didn't get there often. They got just 10 free throw attempts, but they made a pitiful three of them. And all three came from Kelton Johnson. Everyone else, 0 for 7. That's Jeremy Sohan, that's Devin Vassell, that's Charles Bassey, that's Doug McDermott. And also, as you can see, not a lot of people getting to the rim and drawing contact because not a lot of fouls being called. It wasn't like it was a bad ref game. The Spurs just weren't that aggressive. They were content to hoist and miss long jumpers. Rebounding. Spurs piled up 44 of them. Okay, Lakers, 54. <laughs> Not enough there. Assist. Spurs did okay there. But the Lakers still had more than them. Defensive stats. They, I, I guess you could say the Spurs were better than the Lakers. They had two more blocks than LA did. Uh, but that can be mitigated by fouls, where the Spurs had 17 of those compared to the 10 from the Lakers, including five from Gorgie Jang and several across the board uh, for players who were just outmatched. So that would be the bad. The ugly? Third and fourth quarter, especially for San Antonio. Uh, the Lakers went on huge runs. Uh, Anthony Davis, that was bad. Just seeing easy reads. Uh, Russell Westbrook picking the Lakers apart off the bench, or picking the Spurs apart, rather, off the bench with some dazzling passes and also some that you could have just saw coming. That was tragic to see. Um, some of those just getting lost back door, not staying on your man, you know, getting lost on a screen, you know, uh, not staying home and letting Lakers shooters who had gotten a rhythm knock down shots consistently. And once they did, the Lakers shot, they made, 30, they made 12 of 34 from three, which isn't lights out, but it's pretty solid, especially for a Lakers team that ranks among the worst in the league in three-point attempts makes percentage. So that was bad. Ugly? <sighs> I mean, from a development standpoint, again, I think it was ugly that you didn't see a lot of play for Isaiah Roby, Dominic Barlow, Malachi Branham. This was a game where you bring those guys out there, you let them get some run, in my opinion, you see what they can bring to the table in terms of getting some reps because the game wasn't close and you're really just giving, you know, guys like Richardson, McDermott, you know, vets like that, just cardio at that point because you were never going to make that a game. That just wasn't going to happen after the second quarter. You could just see it, uh, especially once Davis got the rhythm, the Lakers really poured it on once Russ came off the bench. So, I really think it was disappointing that those guys didn't get a lot more time. This would have been a game that you would have thought that would have been the case, but it was not to be. But you know what? You take that game, we look at it right now, okay, 31-point game, that was rough, wash it off. Wednesday, the Spurs will be playing the New Orleans Pelicans, and Friday, the Spurs will get a rematch against the same Lakers team, and so that is where we will look forward from here. For now, we're taking this game, we are resting it over next to Custer. It's over. This game is done. It's behind us. We're moving forward uh, for this week. All that matters is Wednesday's game against New Orleans and Friday's game against the Lakers again. And it's not like the Spurs aren't going to get 
some good run against these teams. These, this is the next six games. Pelicans on Wednesday, Lakers on Friday, Lakers on Saturday, Thunder on Wednesday, Spurs on Friday, December 2nd. So they're going to play both teams coming up here, both the team that they played Sunday, most recently the Lakers, and the team they play coming up next, the Pelicans, twice in the next week and a half. That's enough time to look at the film, see what you can improve on, make adjustments, and hopefully get some wins or at least get some more competitive games because this has been the road trip from hell for the Spurs. There's just no way around it. And to say that, you know, four of your next five games are going to come from the friendly confines of home, that should do wonders for this young team to really try to get a little home stamp put together, see what they can come up with, see if they can cobble together, if not some good wins, some encouraging performances across their entire team. I definitely look for Kelvin Johnson to bounce back. I look for more progression from um, Dem Bissell, and I'm encouraged to see what other guys bring to the table. Will Jeremy Sohan continue to kind of build upon what he's done so far? Will Trey Jones be able to uptick both his uh, sh- shooting percentages, uh, but also his command of the floor? I've liked his stat line so far. I mean, 11 points, just under 7 assists. Uh, he can definitely stand to improve more there, and I want to see more of the young guys get some time. So that is what I'm looking forward to in this next week. For my three points, definitely want to see how Kellen Johnson responds. That is my first point. And looking at Devin Vassell as well, that's second. Third, who steps up as that consistent third player for San Antonio? We've kind of had the hierarchy already set among the top two going into the season. I think it still remains to be seen who's working out that third spot. You could throw Trey Jones in there. Uh, Yaka Pertle has been the guy so far, but I'm just being consistently. I just mean consistently. Yaka Proto right now, I think, as, as the season goes, is that guy. But I want to see for the future of the Spurs team, unless you believe that Yaka Proto is going to be here for the next three, four years. He's age 27 right now. I'm just saying I don't see it. It's possible, but I don't see it. Which guy is going to step up outside of 23-year-old Kelvin Johnson and 22-year-old Devin Bissell as this core, potentially, for the Spurs team? There's going to be more added. The Spurs te- this first team will be around when the lottery balls are, you know, bounced around in May, right? There will be a top-tier prospect joining them. We'll get to that when that time comes. But as of right now, who on this roster is going to start shaping up? We've seen a couple weeks now already some signs of a mix between a Trey Jones and a Jeremy Sohan and a Charles Bassey type deal alongside the veterans like a Josh Richardson and Doug McDermott. But I'm talking about the future of this team. I want to look more toward some of these younger guys. So those are my three points for what I am most looking forward to. As far as Spurs media outside of just the games, I definitely want to highlight a piece on Pounding the Rock by Jesus Gomez, uh, which is titled How Recent Former Spurs Are Faring Away from San Antonio This Season. I like being able to look back, you know, Rosters change year over year, uh, and obviously the Spurs are no exception. And in a rebuilding year like this, the Spurs have lost some components of their team that have been mainstays, whether that is a Lonnie Walker uh, with the Lakers, who the Spurs obviously just played, whether that is, of course, a DeJounte Murray, who had been their kind of top-tier prospect for a number of years, who's playing in Atlanta. Even players like Devontae Kaycock and Jock Landell, who are in different varied spots. Uh, whether they're in the NBA or out. I definitely 
think that the article is really cool just to kind of look back on those players. You focus so much more on the Spurs team now that sometimes it's hard to not look at players who have departed uh, and see how they're prospering or faltering away from San Antonio. So definitely recommend that piece for sure from Pounding the Rock. But that'll do it here for this semi-inaugural episode of the Alamo Airwaves. Definitely want to thank y'all for rocking here with me. Uh, We'll definitely be more consistent, do some more, you know, game recaps, game previews coming up ahead, Uh, prospect watch as we get closer to draft season since we know the Spurs are going to be there, Uh, stock watch, which Spurs players have been playing better, which Spurs players have been playing worse, some historical segments as well. It's going to be a lot of fun here on the Alamo Airways podcast, and I'm happy to be able to cover this young team here with y'all and just kind of, you know, mark the progress, the highs, the lows, the good, the bad, the ugly losses, the great victories, all of that here on the Alamo Airways podcast. So want to thank y'all once again for the time. You can follow me on Twitter at CorbinNBA. Check out, once again, the Basketball Podcast Network. Great content from all of the NBA teams. We have a host of tremendous people on these shows. Team podcasts, general NBA shows, NCAA. It's all there. Definitely make sure to do that. Online, the thebasketballpodcastnetwork.com. On Twitter, at HoopsPodNet. But until next time, y'all. Appreciate y'all tuning in, and go Spurs, go. Definitely make sure to check out Alamo Airways wherever you find your podcast. Check out the Basketball Podcast Network. There are a ton of great shows that I am happy to be among the ranks of, and I cannot wait to be covering the Spurs as they continue on their 2022-2023 NBA campaign. Until next time, y'all, go Spurs, go.